There comes a moment when you've exhausted all your options while simultaneously coming across a product that reinvents your notion about what an honest and high quality company looks like. The Healing Rose was the catalyst to that very moment for me. The Healing Rose Company is a female-owned Massachusetts CBD company based out of Newburyport that prides themselves in using only the best USDA-certified organically sourced ingredients for their vast line of therapeutic products. Their line stretches from lip balms, tinctures, skin balms, roll-on oils, and bath products. Their transparency places them above the rest with third-party tested results showcasing their intolerance to toxic pesticides, solvents, metals, and harmful elements. They provide full-spectrum CBD in many of their products, excluding their tinctures, which carry a broad-spectrum profile, ideal for not having to worry about any low-level THC, which is common for many CBD products. That one's my favorite, and it's good on the palate. Full-spectrum means that they extract from the hemp plant an array of different therapeutic cannabinoids along with CBD and their profile terpenes. The combination results in a greater outcome of healing and relaxation for any individual's needs. Whether you are an athlete looking for any recovery advantage, a patient in need of some relief to remind yourself that you are still a warrior, or someone who sees the frontiers of life with a little reserve and want to calm the mental storms that keep you from personally exploring, the Healing Rose CBD Company is here for your full body and mind optimization. Please visit thehealingroseco.com to explore their diverse line of products and support one of New England's best rising stars in an industry where ethics are fundamental and a company like this will only be found sitting at the throne of it all. Use the code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S, for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit thehealingroseco.com and use the promo code SAGAS at checkout for 10% off your purchase. To the many martial artists, entrepreneurs, dreamers, and thinkers, how often, for your own sake, would you love a symbolic reminder of your mentality and the perfect dichotomy to match? Murder Nerd is an independent clothing apparel line that represents the sharp, relentless focus towards personal growth and athletics. It embodies the vitality of their creative owners and the network of people who run on the same frequency. Why not elevate your frequency in comfort and style? Visit www.MurderNerdsFitness.com for their personal line of shirt and hat wear. Enter the promo code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S, for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit MurderNerdsFitness.com and enter the promo code SAGAS for 10% off your purchase. All right, guys, here we go. <clears throat> We're going to do our best here. And first and foremost, I'm just going to try to relay a bare bone idea of what I'm going to talk about, because there's a lot of details in this. And I don't want, I mean, I may already be doing a disservice to it, but I don't want to pretend that um, I know how to extrapolate the necessary components to this and then relay it to you like I'm a professional like the this is just 
This is a topic that I know about and this is an idea that I'm trying to just share. So then so then afterwards, anybody who wants to learn more about it can obviously explore it themselves and then go to a uh, professional. So I just need to kind of get that out of the way because this is going to be <clears throat> maybe a little bit of a rocky road to, um, to kind of navigate through, but I'm going to try to do my best with this. So what, what I want to talk about with this is something called the, um, what would you call it? MTHFR gene or, um, yeah, MTHFR gene and also methylation. So I guess first and foremost, let me just say like a while back we went to see um, an, an integrative doctor who was very good and she was very helpful, you know, to a certain degree. And her scope was looking at things uh, more metabolically, right? Seeing what types of things were being processed, not being processed. Um, um, things based around, uh, I, would, I guess you would call it just lifestyle dietary issues, you know, because some people just don't break down certain components, right? Like, for example, like a metabolic problem. I mean, there's a lot of them, but like some people that do like the ketogenic diet, right? You would assume that that uh, can be a good thing for certain people if you do it right, right? I mean, you can still eat like a pig and just eat a bunch of bacon and, and dairy and think you're doing keto, but you're, you are technically, but it's not... Um, there's not a lot of insight in nutrient density when it comes to just doing it that way. But anyways, like you can do that and you may have a certain type of metabolic disorder where you don't really break down. You don't do well with lipids. So you could have like a lipid toxicity. And that's kind of what I mean. Like there are areas in your, in your biochemistry where the functioning is off a little bit. So you don't create or break down things properly which then can kind of manifest into a symptom. Um, you know, and something like that, you don't really know until you try something, unfortunately. That's why blood work is so important. But who can really do blood work before you do any type of diet? Um, but whatever, that's a different thing. So, um, so we went there and, like I said, very helpful. And she was great because she kind of gave me full reign of being able to um, order whatever kind of blood work I wanted. So I was able to do a ton of different things. I was able to do tests for different um, molecule carriers that you don't usually test for, which are just like tiers above kind of what you would get when you go to see your primary doctor. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you can test for like for example, B12, right? Everybody gets tested for that. But you don't test for certain types of uh, carrier molecules. And one of them is like in urine. It's called an MMA. And uh, you could get your test results back and your B12 looks fine. But if you're deficient in these kind of carrier molecules, it tells you that you're not actually absorbing these really essential vitamins in your body um, cellularly. 
And that's a huge clue because you could you could ignore someone's symptom that could be coming from a type of deficiency, but because your base level test comes out okay, you kind of ignore it and move on. So there's different kind of levels to that. It's the same thing with the thyroid. You know, you can t- test your t- TSH, but there's also the hormones that you check for. You could have Hashimoto's with perfectly fine TSH. And you don't know it because no one's testing your TPO anti- antibodies, you know, and you could have tons of antibodies. So you could be in a certain stage of this and not even know it. And no one addresses it because they want the TSH to move. And that's a horrible way of looking at things, in my opinion, because it's it pretty much says, until you feel like shit, come see me, you know. So it's like you kind of have to wait until the last domino falls for you to go and see somebody but nobody wants to do blood work to see if maybe the first two dominoes have have fallen already so that we can prevent that last one and that can go on and on and on you can have a million different kind of scenarios where that's a good thing you know to look deeper into a certain type of thing or a certain type of a test because there's layers to a lot of these tests so one of the one of the things she wanted to test for was something called the MTHFR gene, and I never really knew what that was. Um, you know, and she explained it a little bit, but it's it's pretty dense. And I'm going to try to give you, like I said, the most bare bone explanation of this and why it can be important to look at or just have an option to to look at it because it's because it's. It's popular and it's and it's prevalent to a lot of uh, our population. I, I forget the percentage, but I can kind of find it. Um, let me see something. So we order this test. HFR. There we go. And we, so we order this test, and then my wife comes back with the results. And what she has, or what we find out, is that in that gene. She has two, I guess you would call it heterozygous, right? Heterozygous gene? Let me see. Hetero, homozygous and heterozygous. And it is a gene called the C677T. And what that means, let me see. What that means is she actually has two of them, right? A lot of these genes, you can have uh, your parents kind of pass, can pass one on to you. Either your parents, your father gives you one, your mother doesn't, or your mom gives you one and your father gives you one. So now you have both of them. And what that means is that there's, it plays with percentiles on how much a manifestation of having this gene may affect you. And the percentage is lower when just one parent gives it to you. So, so those mechanisms that are in that manifestation of that gene may not arise as easy as um, may, they may not arise as easy opposed to you having uh, having both your parents give you the gene, which that can cause it to go up a lot too. And all of this kind of gets into like um, epigenetic stuff and, and, and kind of uh, our easy explanation of that is like these are genes that can kind of modulate and morph because of environmental factors. 
So you would even, so for example, some would even say that type 2 diabetes is an epigenetic thing because it's an, it's a, it's an intake of a certain type of molecule, which this being carbs, which then changes the expression of certain types of things, which then gives you like a symptom. And the reason that they classify that is because it can, it can change. It changes because of environments and then it can change back depending on if you take away that environment. And it's a great thing in a way because it kind of, it, it doesn't make you a victim of the destiny of a gene problem to a certain degree because in the end it tells you that it can actually it can it can be influenced and you can be an active participant in that influence which is why you know with that with the type 2 you can take metformin and you can be on these medications but if you try to regulate your carbohydrate intake and you do exercise and you do all the things that you can do to the best of your ability, you can move that marker and that needle starts to shift a little bit where you may actually not need that medication and actually come out of type 2 diabetes. You've epigenetically changed that expression because you've taken away that environment. And that's kind of how this thing works too, uh, the MTHFR gene. And what that does is that it, it, it influences um, methylation. Methylation is something that it's like a biochemical process um, on kind of a techie kind of way of saying it. It's a transfer of like four atoms, one carbon atom and three hydrogen atoms. And there's a problem that can happen with this because if, if you have that gene and you get blood work for it, and you order something called um, histamine, your histamines can be really high when you have this gene kind of, uh, I guess you would call it inactive, I guess, because it keeps a certain types of enzyme from, be, from, from, from working so that you um, metabolize folate correctly because folate is a big part of this methylation. Methylation helps for DNA expression, neurotransmitter expression, um, God, tons of different things. It's, it, the, honestly, the list goes on and on and on. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a process that influences so many parts of the body. Um, the, like a huge one is actually like detoxification using your liver. Um, that one, the other ones that I, I know of are, um, it works really heavily. Your methylation process works heavily on how you synthesize certain types of neuro, uh, like, um, hormones and how it works molecularly with, um, your, um, mood pathways. So demethylation, like a deregulated kind of cycle, it influences how your, um, it can have an influence on whether you can first and foremost even have a small amount of anxiety or depression or a certain amount that's like incredibly detrimental and also isn't uh, doesn't react to regular medications like SSRIs because you know a lot of people have these issues and for whatever reason 
these medications, they just don't help for whatever reason. Uh, let's see. So like I said, this MTHFR enzyme, it kind of, it's a, it's a gene encoder for you to be able to break down folate and it influences all of these different things. And I, you know, we took the test. I ran into some literature that, that can kind of work, that kind of explain how this can work on the nervous system, which then will kind of cascade into how that may affect certain types of neuropathies. So that's kind of how I found it. But there were just so many different things that, that went along with it. And one of the neat things, at least when it came to the neuropathy part of it, was like, in general, if you have a vitamin B disorder, um, which has a lot to do with your methylation process as well, you can be deficient in that. And a B12 uh, deficiency can actually kill you. You know, not a lot of these can really hurt you really bad, but a, a B12 can be really, really bad for you whether you have less of it or way too much of it. Both ends of the spectrum can almost manifest the same type of uh, symptoms. It's weird. So because of that, it's, it's um, let's see. That B vitamin, and also your B6 too. Um, let's see, how do I break this down? It influences how those become carried and if they can actually become absorbed. And they work intimately with folate, vitamin B12 and folate. This is why when you get a blood test, you, usually those two work together. And if you're not breaking down folate, you're not getting your proper B12, which then can actually give you certain types of things like uh, neuropathies, um, sensitivity to temperatures. Uh, even like certain types of pain, whatever you're kind of uh, maybe genetically susceptible to that. Because it's not always, it's not a one size fits all type of thing, which I think we're all learning that most, most of us aren't really a plain and simple type of organism when it comes to whatever, how we feel, what our health is like, how medications help, etc. you know, um, so because of that, you can get these symptoms and it can go on and on and on without actually ever being known that you have this um, MTHFR gene uh, mutation. And a lot of people actually do. Let me see if I can see this MTHFR gene ratio Let's see. I mean, it's much more prevalent in uh, Caucasians. Not so much with like African-Americans or Hispanics or anything like that. It, it's a much lower number, but it's a lot more for um, European Caucasian. And I forget what the numbers were for the United States, but it was quite a bit. And like I said, you can have these genes and with the right environment, they don't have to engage. The epigenetic process does not have to turn on. 
to then elevate your histamine and then um, to an extreme deregulate your folate, which then does all these different things. Fuck up your mood, give you pain, um, give you um, insomnia, um, make you confused, short-term memory. I mean, it, it, it does all, it, it regulates so much of your neurotransmitters because it's acetylcholine, uh, glutamate. I mean, those are excitatory ones. Those fucking things, like, they can give you muscle spasms. They can give you pain. They can do all these things. Glutamate is such a crazy excitatory neurotransmitter. There's literature that says that that is the source of people's fibromyalgia problems. You know, so it's like, it's all this crazy digging you have to do to see, like, what are the pieces of the puzzle for you not just everybody just you because as i've said before your symptom can come about and you can have somebody right next to you and have the same symptom but they literally come from two very different places yes there are trends to how things kind of come about you know there is a um there are good metrics to be able to measure why somebody gets something and that is luckily that data gives us what the majority of people's problems are but it's not always like that you know or the majority of where people's problems come from right like to bring it back to the type 2 like we know type 2 comes from a very specific place most of the time so we know how to help people with that but it's like having type two and not being able to help them with any of these lifestyle changes. So now we need to figure out, well, where is the deregulation actually coming from? I guess it wasn't coming from what you were taking in nutrient wise. So let's see, what is this? This is a genetic component. Is this a metabolic thing? Are you not getting enough of this, which then influences that blah, 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 blah. Um, so like, yeah, one size doesn't fit all. And, um, so we look into this, I, you know, I think that we got lucky because histamine levels were not raised in her blood work, which meant that in my, in my mind, the gene wasn't actually expressing its dysfunction. But I do wonder if aiding in the process would bring about any, I guess, relief or, or a certain type of reaction. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, how do I say this? So you can take a B12, um, you can take a B12 supplement, and it can be the wrong one for you. And what I mean by that is like they make, what is it called? Methyl, let me see. Methylcold. Whoop. There's a certain type of B12. Yeah. Is it methylcobol? Yeah, there is a, so, okay, so let's just do There's a certain type of B12 supplement that kind of, it skips the process of conversion. I think it's called methylcobalamine. Methylcobalamine. 
and it skips a certain process because because you don't have the enzyme to break down folate we can just skip that and give you the b12 that then now will will then convert into what it needs to to feed your cells without going through needing to go through the process that's actually not there or dysfunctioning because of your gene and it's the same thing with um folate you can take methylfolate and skip that little hiccup space that isn't allowing you to absorb it so then now you can absorb it you just you, you kind of get rid of the middleman in there but you don't know to get that if you don't know you have this gene and the funny thing is they make these supplements but they're more expensive so everybody kind of wants the, the less expensive version of everything so we go with the more accessible more affordable one which is actually detrimental in a weird way to you if you have this gene and it's engaging because you're just not getting it never mind like you take folic acid like it's it's kind of fucked up when i looked into this you realize that in the early 90s food industries put folic acid with the intention to give people um I don't know what you would call it. It was a health benefit to introduce folic acid. It's in fucking cereals, it's in oatmeal, it's in tons of different things. You know, needless to say it's in a bunch of um processed foods really. And the literature now shows that like having folic acid can kind of it's actually bad for you. Yes, it might be bad for you like at high levels and maybe it's the combination of the processed food compounded with fol- with the folic acid that's that's obviously not good for you that just by the nature of itself is not going to be good for you. But it's just kind of weird that we're giving people folic acid knowing that the thing in itself because of its cheaper version it's not methylfolate it's folic acid what you want is methylfolate and that's what you have to take if you have that gene if you have that gene and it's engaged and you're just eating a bunch of processed foods never mind everything else that's in that food but that folic acid is going to hurt you and they put it in all the foods and now it's still in just it's in all the foods even though the literature kind of has kind of backpedaled itself in saying that yeah this isn't really that good for you you know so just another reason to kind of like know what you're eating i guess and know where you're at it's just it's it's a shame that it's just such a labyrinth when it comes to food and the body you know you want to keep it simple but keeping it simple is fucking boring in a way you know i want to eat yummy food i want to eat this i want to eat that i want to go out i want to live a, a sentient human life with the indulgences of like tasty artistic food whatever that is if that's a fucking awesome steak or you know some great vegan dish with indian spices like you want that but you just it's just too bad we had just how aware we have to be of what is in this stuff and being mindful of how we feel when we eat it you know um or enough of it i guess so um let me see something yeah and you know to go back on just even another part of this like the anxiety and depression part there's an actual 
prescription medication for a certain level of methylfolate that you can give a patient and it starts to help their manic depressive moods when SSRIs actually haven't worked. I never knew that. I never knew that you could help someone's mood by just giving them pretty much a, a, a very high potent vitamin. I don't know if there is any carrier molecules in there so that you can kind of metabolize it better. Um, because some things you combine with like good carrier things so you have better absorption. That's what, uh, that's what, um, what would you call it? chelated magnesium would be right you can absorb magnesium in a certain way but when it's chelated it just means that they, they've added um, a carrier molecule on it so that you can have a better absorption of it it's tough to absorb certain things they're not um what's it called maybe bio bioavailability right the bioavailability of it can be a very low percentage which can suck but sometimes that little bit helps people just that little amount that they need so, let me see something. Yeah, so you can have, I might have said it wrong earlier, but if you get this test for the gene, you can be heterozygous, which means you're ju you just have one gene from one parent, and that's that C677T. And, um, or you could be homozygous of that gene, which brings up your percentage of, of it being detrimental to you and actually turning on. And like I said, there is an aspect to this that is a little bit in our hands. Because once you find that out, and maybe you don't have the symptoms, you can know maybe to stay away from certain things or to dig into it with your doctor and say, hey, what can I do in my life so I, that I don't turn this on? Because I, you know, the gun's loaded in this. And my actions are really going to just kind of be the great decider on if... Uh, the triggers pulled on this. So what do I do? Habit-wise, eating-wise, lifestyle-wise, whatever. Because that's the epigenetic. It needs the environment. You give it the wrong environment, we're turning on. It's going to turn on. And you're not going to know how the fuck it even turned on until somebody tells you after the fact. Um, let's see. Yeah, so we find this... We go through the blood work, we do all that stuff, we find this gene out, and, you know, again, this is just another thing for us to be able to kind of put in our Rolodexes of like, what do we have to work with? What do we have that we can use to help us, to make us more aware of how the body is working, so that we can treat it with, with knowledge, respect, and give it the best environment that it can have to thrive. Because this in itself, by itself, was not, it's not the answer, you know? I know for me, it's like, ooh, found something. Ooh, something's highlighted. Oh, something's high. Something's low, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm all in. I'm all digging into it. Maybe this is the thing. Maybe this, if I can reverse this gene, like all this fucking crazy talk of thinking I have control over this. And to a small degree, we, I do, you know, or we do, or we all do, if it comes down to 
a specific thing we're talking about, right? We just have to know we have a certain amount of control. And then after that, it's up to us to decide if we're willing to put in the work to maintain and expand on that control. Um, you know, but this obviously wasn't the answer to what we're constantly looking for. And that's okay. But it's just something that I discovered that I feel like is a very important topic and that to my surprise affects a lot of people and you know that gene when you do the blood work for that and then you also do that histamine I mean histamine that shit can give you migraines headaches cluster headaches you can have all these different weird uh, allergic reactions when you constantly have high histamines never mind what that actually can do for your your heart you can be prone to like strokes and all that shit so it's you know it's it's good to know about this gene because this is a good starting point to kind of call, uh, kind of um, accumulating knowledge to make a good uh, path for therapy or healing with the doctor because if you never test this I mean yeah maybe some people will think that it's not that big of a deal right yet again this is another point of controversy some people feel that when they figure this out and do the right things they alleviate their symptoms which is amazing and why it's surfaced so high some people think that you really don't even need to take a look at this at all and that most people have this gene and it never really manifests into anything that I don't understand when if you do something that coincides with the dysfunction of this gene and it helps you I don't get how we shouldn't look at it if the thing you did only because of the information helped you i don't get that so why should we not look at this you know i don't know if that's just kind of a game of uh majority minority like everything else well the majority of people are fine so like we'll just go with the consensus that like we don't need to look at it because nobody really gives a fuck about the anomalies you know of healthcare for whatever reason you know the smaller demographics and maybe that's just a uh, workload type of thing where it's more beneficial to allocate time, funds, and effort into greater things than to put so much time in a narrow scope of a rare type of disease, you know? I get that in a way because you help more people because more people fall into the majority so if you help a disease that gets a majority of people you help more people but i don't know what that says about people that have rare things we just kind of chuck them out the window and just say hey you know figure it out go do some acupuncture i don't know you know to me it's a huge fucking disservice and it's disrespectful to just the human body to think in that way you know and it's a much bigger conversation than this because i think it's dictated by academia and a lot of the hijacking that certain types of organizations and companies do to the education of a lot of these physicians. But that's just me. Fuck it, what do I know? So, that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, this, you know, not the most exciting podcast, but one that I wanted to do. I just, I needed to be able to actually talk it out and figure out how I was going to speak about it. 
and like I said, it's not the most technical thing, but I hope I just, I did it enough of a service for people to be curious about it, to then look into it for themselves and see if your unknown or undiagnosed problem falls into something that maybe it, it wouldn't hurt to look into with this gene, right? You got something going on. Nobody's got a fucking answer for you. Let's see if you have this gene. If you have this gene, let's get with a doctor and say, well, what can we do about this? What should I take so that my methylation process gets ramped up again so that I stop missing shit that my body needs, which is giving me my fucking problem. And um, yeah, just something I want to bring to the surface because this was all very new to me a good year and a half ago. And it seemed pretty uh, important. And, and I don't know what you want to call it. Not popular, but it's just, like I said, prevalent. A lot of people have this. And unfortunately, a lot of people have a lot of different issues. And they might not be resolved. You know, we're all using band-aids to just kind of maintain. But are we getting to the root cause of things? And I know that that's always harder, but fuck, man. So much more rewarding. Because you don't have to worry about a side effect of whatever you're taking. You know? Or the worry that it'll get worse. Or whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So, alright guys. That's it. That's it. MTHFR gene. And... I think that's it. Covered it all. Alright guys. Peace and love. Thank you so much. Bye.